0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Welcome to the Seminole Rap podcast. Here on Tomahawk Nation, I'm your host Brian Pellerin with Perry Costa Dacus. Bringing out the big boss. Said it wrong. This week three, Costa Dacus. Cost. Costa Dacus.
1: Can just go from we're here. Under. This is the intro. This is the intro. This welcome, is it. So, yeah, welcome to the summoner welcome rap. Summer wrap,
0: guys. Hey everybody, week three college football season. That's I mean, whatever. Fumbling through the first two is probably the way it should go for this season, right? Uh, we're talking Florida one. State, Wake Forest. Thanks. I tried. Saturday 3:30 ESPN. Uh, neither team ranked shocker shocker. Uh, obviously, Florida State 0-2 with some uh tough losses both at home, Wake Forest. but, I mean, we count wins against Old Dominion and Norfolk State. Maybe not. We'll get into them a little bit later. Uh, Not often that Wake Forest is possibly the biggest game on the schedule, but uh, when you're staring 0-3 in the face, not exactly what you want to see. Perry, I got a trivia for you here right off the jump. 0-3 start if they lose, 0-3 for the first time since. This is according to Brian's Cracktop Research.
1: This was I had it in Knowles News today. It was 1976, right? Yeah,
0: 1976.
1: Bobby's first season. Wow. No, that's um so 2017, they got close to starting 0-3, and it was a James Blackman heroic game versus Wake Forest that kept them from going 0-3 in uh, Willie Tigers first season.
0: Wow. So some double knowledge for everybody there. Look at that. I started going back to try and find it. And my wife was sitting – I was just laying in bed when I was writing the News the other day. And she was like, what are you doing? I was just click, click, click. And I was like, I've been looking through Florida State's, like, 1981 schedule to see if they started 0-3. How far back are you going to go? I was like, as far back as I have to, I guess. I don't know. It's somewhere in here. I'll find it. Yeah.
1: Well, that's just one last uh, feather in the cap maybe to pull out after the FCS – never losing to one as a program. So we'll see how it goes this weekend.
0: Yeah. And so that's, that's really where I want to start right there with that. zero and three, obviously, you know, 76 Bobby Stark would be that beginning of the climb to where Florida state arrived at at its peak and and held for a while. Um, We said it on the podcast last weekend where it seemed like this would be rock bottom, the Jacksonville state loss being that, um, We've seen some talk around Mike, Mike Norvell's tenure here, his uh, first, I don't know if we can even call it two years. He hasn't even coached 12 games yet. Um, three and eight at this point, three and six last year, obviously 0-2 here. Um, where do you see with this program where it's at right now? Obviously, it, had a, it felt like a great summer where it was building, but where we're at now, it, it seems like has that momentum stopped? Where, where do you see this going forward?
1: I think reality has set in and like for a lot of people to the point where yes, the program is headed in a better direction. We did see that over the summer from the recruiting, from the level of investment in the community to the Florida, like tour that they did to the organization, to all of that. Yeah. It's way better than it was under Willie's Tacker And even in those final years under Jimbo, but just lost to an FCS program. So it's like, oh, this is where it is. Like, rock bottom, it didn't hit. It's been stuck, like, in rock bottom. So it's more a reflection of where the program is. Kind of took off the garnet-colored glasses for everybody who was like, oh, we, we saw Florida State almost beat Notre Dame. So Florida State's back. So that whole, like, illusion is shattered now. I mean, Jacksonville State, we talked about it nonstop on the last pod about how they almost beat FSU last year. So it's not really a huge change in where the program is. It's more like, oh, this is really what can happen right now because of where Florida State is at.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you've seen it in the articles. I, I saw one of the fan posts we have um, on on the site, came up with, you know, is Norvell on the hot seat? A, a lot of tweets on Saturday were comparing Norvell and Taggart. Um, just the context, like I said, Norvell hasn't – coached a full season yet of worth of games. I mean, he obviously all of 2020, but at this point, he's still only 11 games in three and eight Taggart five and seven, in first season four and five in his second year. Um, do you believe this is a hot seat situation already at this point? Does the loss have to happen was, was less at that point. Cause for me, I, I think this is where the difference comes between NFL and college. When you look at an NFL team, your wins and loss records, the only thing that matters. But when you're looking at a college team, The recruiting aspect is just as important in everything you're building as how you perform on the field.
1: No, and that's like the loss turned on the seat warmers, if that makes sense. Like he he wasn't going to be on the hot seat this season unless it was under like a 5-1 season. Losing to an FCS program changed things. But FSU is not in a position to fire a coach, like financially – as a program. You would turn into a revolving door type of Tennessee situation. If you like we are approaching Willie Taggart tenure like length at this point. Like in three more games is about how long you gave Willie. So if you're holding yourself to the same standard, then yeah, this guy's on the hot, hot, hot seat. But looking at the reality of everything, there's no way you can fire this coach.
0: Yeah, to, to reach Willie's numbers, you have to go I want to say, it looks like quick math in my head, six and four. The rest of the way, six and four Bridget, would get you yeah. there. Would be It would be even. So, so if you go six and four, six, obviously six and four, you're a little over 500, uh, 60%. There's the math. That was pretty obvious in front of my face. Uh, that's where you would meet that number. Um, doing recruiting class research, uh, Jimbo's last, uh, the 2017, or I guess not really last, depending on how you do it, was the last time they brought in a five-star? Uh, that was that was have four in that class Cam Akers, Marvin Wilson, a couple others. Uh, since then, 11 overall in 18, 18, then back to back 22s in 2021. Um, this year, you're looking at the 10th overall class right now, the best in the ACC. You're, you're ahead of Clemson, North Carolina, the, the teams that have been, uh, I guess, ahead of you. And, and, and I'm sure you'll, you'll echo this one probably better than I even can. You, you can't lose Travis Hunter, who is your five-star, committed, first one in five years?
1: Dude, Belkow, I think he is the second highest rated recruit that Florida State has ever had come into the program. Like, it, it, he is a program-changing type of recruit, and he is coming into the Mike Norvell staff, and he has invested in the Mike Norvell staff, and there's a reason for that. And we saw during the Notre Dame game what it could be like, but – it's still patting yourself on the back after a near win. So it's still like the reality is there is progress, like as we've been saying, but there's a lot of concerning things still out there. You have to make it through this full season. You probably have to give Mike Norvell another full season after this, just based on the logistics of everything but the heat is turned up. Right. Like, financially, you mean. Correct, yeah. financially. Financially, like, financially, logistically, like, you just can't fire – like, you can't be a revolving door program because that just sets you back so much more, especially in these recruiting classes where these kids are not committed exactly to the program, they're committed to the staff. Yeah. But yeah, we see that especially this year.
0: Especially when they're, they're looking with an eye towards the NFL most times. You're looking for a, a coaching staff that can help you get there Mm-hmm. Um, well, we, we can move ahead now and kind of look at the the team that he has in front of him right now. And, and Norvell has made his choice, I guess, which is the big news of the week at quarterback. We saw Jordan Travis as the starter, despite the ore on the depth chart, taking almost every snap in Notre Dame until his helmet <laughs> popped off. And then uh, it was Milton time from there forward last week. I guess you can call it a mix and match for a couple of series, but uh, it was the Mackenzie Milton show. And that's what he's going with for this week. Do you like the choice? I know I, know I feel like I I feel like in our, our conversations away from the podcast, maybe we still expected Jordan Travis to be involved. But they were removed that or on the depth chart. Where do you see this? How do you see it playing out? And, and what did you want to see out of this?
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is now his sort of gamesmanship with with removing the ore, it's now Wake Forest has to prepare strictly for Mackenzie Milton instead of like this two QB look rotating system. But overall, I like the choice Milton from experience from the way that he handles the ball through the air is the better choice. Travis offers so much. Like, he needs to be on the field. He's too electrifying. He's just too much of a utility guy that he can make an instant impact whenever he needs. But, Milton, you see it – you saw it specifically in the Notre Dame game. You saw it on the mispasses passes in Jacksonville State where Keyshawn Elton should have had that catch. Like easy he, touchdown. Easy touchdown. He knows how to place the ball. He knows how to lead the team. He has the energy needed. After – the. uh Jacksonville State lost, like his presence in the media room was what you needed. It wasn't like absolutely defeated, shut down. He knew that this is what happened because they had become complacent. So I think through that leadership, through that experience, through the talent, he is the rightful, like number one. But I think like Jordan Travis needs to be on the field in some capacity. It's hard to not put him there.
0: Yeah, and especially when you when you listen to the coaches talk this week, the coordinators obviously all spoke on Monday. I believe it was. Um, Dillingham really focused on the lack of explosive plays. He he said during Jacksonville State, they tried to take five of them, they went over five, and then, and then it became a okay, this isn't working. We're picking up too many penalties, and it. I don't want to say he had, he admitted. I feel like that's the wrong word, but but you know, kind of said like we had to go away from that because mm. um, it just wasn't working. The fear being, can your receivers make enough plays for this to work? I mean, Travis gives you the ability to have explosive plays on any snap just because of how fast he is and and the speed, the ability to extend plays. But we talked about this before, too. Milton isn't a statue. Despite the leg injury, he's still pretty mobile, surprisingly. I mean, not Jordan Travis. He's, He's one of the elite runners in the game. But Milton does still have that. The key is going to be what you get from the receivers.
1: And that's been the story through two games. That's been the story through fall camp. That was the story in the spring. Like the quarterbacks are going to put the ball there. Jordan Travis, not even to undersell his arm talent. He is able to put the ball downfield and push it. But if the receivers cannot consistently hit it, if the offense cannot... Block. Yeah. Yeah. Block. No, I was trying to, I was going to go for a double negative there. If they continue to put themselves behind the chains on first down, like it's impossible. Like you said, like Denningham referenced, like if it's four, first and 25, you can't run this big, huge explosive play and go second and 25 because now you have to get a second or third and 13. And then it just sets you up for so much failure. It sets off your whole game plan the second that you have to fight against your own adversity.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he said it best. It was, he was, you know, first down we'd pick up five. Okay. Second and five, maybe second and four. We call up that big shot play. We'd hit it. We'd gain 15 or 20 and no, hold on. Everybody come back 10 yards, second and 15. Maybe it's a bad snap. Maybe it's a, it's a guy running the wrong route. We bump into each other. Now we're looking at that third and 17 third and 20 and you, you don't have a play in the playbook for that. There's, there's no, there's no converting a third and 20 barring a defensive mistake. Uh, so I know that continues to be the message. And I know you, you got to ask, you asked Norvell about that directly. Do you have a, an answer for how that gets fixed?
1: No, it was a uh, good old coach speak. Um, he just kind of got into, we have to look at the film. We have to be consistent in all that we do. We know that if we shoot ourselves in the foot, then it's going to mess us up. It was more of a, it was nothing very specific, but you could tell just in the tone where he's like, "No, I know that this is annoying." Mackenzie Millen said it every answer, where he's like, "Self-inflicted mistakes, self-inflicted mistake, self-inflicted." I said it too many times fast. I couldn't even say that. <laughs> but he managed. See, to made fit own it in inflicted in. mistake. He man- <laughs> he managed to fit it into <laughs> every single answer, so they're very aware. Like they're the level of. Like Discord in the locker room, I think is just more frustration knowing that they are responsible for this record. They know that literally one play could have changed their record in both games. So they're still invested in the season. I don't think it's like a devastated emotional breakdown. Everybody's like, ah, gosh, no, the season's over. It's more, this is like very annoying and frustrating and we're pissed off. And so now we're going to see if that manifests into like, a good performance against Wake Forest who we're about to jump into, or if it's going to manifest in more emotional hangover and the worst start in almost 40 years.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, you, you get to the point where you, you look at Notre Dame and it's, it was a top 10 game. Obviously it's one you can get up for Jacksonville state. It's an FCS school and one that sets up perfectly for a letdown. Um, obviously they kind of cost themselves both games. I mean, Florida's, uh, Notre Dame was was teetering on out of hand in the third so at that point they kind of had to make their own luck but this is a team like you said it seems to beat itself it doesn't really matter who's across from them um, but obviously Wake Forest is across from them this week you got a team that returns 19 of 21 starters and real quick uh, big thanks to Kevin Little X's and Knowles if you haven't read his preview that he just posted up here on Thursday lots of breakdown on what to see for this week um, from the Demon Deacons we've also got a with Q and a with our, with our sister site over there as well.
1: Yes. Blogger. So dear, our John Marchant, he jumped on with cam. I don't know his last name. So apologize to him. big fans of cam though. Big fans of cam.
0: (laughs) Thank you for cam for jumping on. Uh, I'll work on pulling the name, but Dave Clawson's offense. It's, it's the RPOs. It's zone reads, West coast passing type stuff. They've got a tenured quarterback. I I don't know how much Wake Forest makes the difference, but you're looking at a veteran team who's not going to beat themselves, right?
1: Yeah, very simple, classic college football, very disciplined, senior-heavy team. They're not going to commit the penalties that you're going to need to offset your own mistakes. And Jacksonville State actually was near or equal to Florida State in penalty yards. And then on the same front, Notre Dame was playing in a way that beat themselves with their own receiver drops. So if you're relying on the other team to make mistakes, Wake Forest is not the team to do it against.
0: Yeah. It seems like they've got, I mean, obviously I I haven't sat down and watched Wake Forest against old dominion or Norfolk state. So I can't say I've seen them with my own eyes, but it, you know, from, from the scouting report and and returning so many veterans, you've got to expect a team at home, that's not going to give you one you're gonna to have to go in and play well one thing to look at um this again from kevin's scouting report there they play a lot of man coverage and, and soft man coverage a, a lot of cushion for the receivers we just kind of talked about that issue there the receivers a getting space and catching it when they're in space but they're going to give you that a, a veteran quarterback like milton can take advantage of that and, and maybe get those guys in a rhythm early enough where we don't see the the clunky offense we saw last week, get it out quick enough.
1: Yeah. No, that gives you the potential for some sort of consistent rhythm. We haven't even seen Florida State go tempo as much as we would have expected at this point in the season. We saw a little bit of it last week, but you're hopeful that this is the game that the offense can start to put it together.
0: Yeah, and the, the, the best part of the offense has been the run game. Uh, and I think this is a game that, that they can lean on that and, and get that, that fast pace going. And hopefully, if you avoid the penalties, can get that second and five. Milton's a guy who can make sure we're staying on schedule, up to the line, and moving as quick as they want to, especially when, when, if Corbin can get rolling and the other guys behind him can get rolling as well. They can move the ball and, and keep it going forward. When you look at this game, Vegas does have them as an underdog. You're looking at a five-point underdog here with Florida State going to Wake Forest. Uh, if you care, over/under sitting at 61 and a half, so they are expecting points. So um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to expect from this Florida State team after two weeks. Uh, enough to to really feel confident that they'll go in and win. I do think they're better than than losing by five to wake forest but it's it's hard to to kind of see where this will fall based on 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 how they how they come out and and it's just which florida state team shows up
1: that's what we said it before the podcast it's either going to be the team that almost won or it's going to be the team that almost won almost won one was like a near good, successful win. And the other one was a defeat snatched from the clause of victory. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. But if you're even going with that somewhere in the middle is still a team that almost won. Yeah. So this, you said it at the beginning of the podcast, it's interesting that Wake Forest is the most important game on the schedule, but I think we actually pinpointed this as one of the most important in the preseason because this is a game where you need to win by a little. If like the whole, like the mantra of lose by a lot, lose by a little, win by a little, win by a lot is to be true. We've seen FSU lose by a little two weeks in a row now. Last week should have been a one win by a lot game, but given how inconsistent this team is, and if there's going to be proof of the climb of the uh, progress under Mike Norvell, it's going to have to happen against a Wake Forest team that is beatable, but it's still respectable.
0: And it, it's like, you, you know, to, to echo the, the, this being a big one on the schedule, it, it is the start of ACC play. Mm. Um, obviously, 0-2 uh, in your big record, but if we're talking about competing in the ACC, which, you know, it, it, out here in the Atlantic, you have Clemson in front of you, so I'm not <laughs> sure that's really competing. But, but being in, in the conversation maybe for, for a second finish there, I mean, you look at the rest of the teams here. I mean, Wake might be the second-best one. I know NC State has looked good. They played Mississippi State well last week, but have a couple guys out. Boston College, I want to say, lost defense on on NC State, guys out. But I want to say Boston College has lost their quarterback. Yes. And Louisville has looked very unimpressive. Mm, Um, I I wrote their preview this season, and and, um, the way I kind of phrased it was it really comes down to – I want to say Malik Cunningham is the name. Mm. he looks bad <laughs> so if, if he's not if he's not it then i you know is, is second place open and, and and this is where you look at getting to start maybe in that direction even being zero and two where if you can put the win against wake forest behind you you've got a run of acc games where maybe that can snowball that way so I'm not going to say hold it to hold me to this because I know our predictions come out really on Friday, as as well as my my overall betting article. I don't have Florida State in, in it this week. I don't think it's one of the 10 biggest games in the college football slate. I'll put them in there when I think <gasps> they are. I know, I know, I know. I just it's a it's a pretty solid week though. There's a there's yeah. some there's some really fun games out there. Uh the one in my house will be Auburn, Penn State. My wife went to Auburn, one of my best friends went to Penn State. So I'm sure they'll be uh Smack talking against each other through text yeah. a bunch. Who will but, you choose? Uh, oh, I have no choice. I have no choice. You guys, you guys know this good and well. I might, I might even say it on here. I, I, I haven't looked at the line yet. I would probably pick Penn State to cover and win and cover at home. Uh, there's zero chance on the article tomorrow. You're going to see anything but Auburn. Um, <laughs> there's just no way I can go. I can go to go home at night and say, yeah, dear, I took Penn State. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold you to it or please don't hold myself to it. I I think Florida State ends up winning this game. I, I think they have to. I'm going to go with the 28 to 30 is what I'll take in a weird kind of pseudo- lowish yeah, mixed extra point of. or like a safety. Yeah, something, like weird. something weird. Yeah, I, I, it's college football. These teams have been, just scream weird to me. I don't think Wake's played a team that really has them ready for this game. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't think, like you said, this Florida state team is in it and I don't see how they're not in it. Notre Dame, I think is the be- is the, obviously the better of the three teams they've played so far, or well, the, they will have played. I think they're better than wake. If you are right there with Notre Dame capable of, of battling, despite being so clunky, I have to think you can do enough to stay with, stay close with wake.
1: It's funny because I swear I had the score before you said it. 34-28, Florida State is where I was thinking. If only because FSU just desperately needs to win this game. I think they are aware. I think this coaching staff is aware. I don't know if Wake like. Wake Forest has two wins over an FCS teams, which is more than Florida State has, so it's not (laughs) like they're uh, some opponent that you can overlook just because of the name, but it just, it it feels like they have to win, and I don't know if this is wish casting (laughs) by saying 34 to 28, but I feel like they hit the over. I feel like the offense comes alive. I feel like Things click in a way that they need to, but I also think that Wake Forest makes it a game. I don't think there's any way that this is a blowout just from what we've seen demonstrated, just from the concerns that won't instantly go away in the span of six days. But I think you see the Florida State team that was billed and hyped up at the end of the Notre Dame game.
0: Good. and if you think maybe you think we're just you know two two sunshine pumping guys out here having a grand old time, I'm sure the rest of the staff predictions that will come out Friday should should have somebody go the other way. I think there's enough negativity yeah. going there's around a, that maybe there's, a, there's, maybe there's enough Eor there.
1: there's enough Eor on our staff.
0: Exactly, there's enough guys who are, who who have seen enough to decide this team isn't it. So um, look for that coming out tomorrow, as well as my overall college football picks. Should have all that done for you by tomorrow. I think I normally it about 1 o'clock. Um, game Saturday, Florida State, Wake Forest, 3.30 kickoff on ESPN. Of course, Perry will have the quarter-by-quarter uh, quarter game threads for you to stay up to date with. And uh, hopefully we'll get a recap for you over the weekend. We'll talk to you guys later. That's a wrap.